0: What's up, guys? Four Corners back with another episode. I am your host, Ray. You can find me online at RayvonHackshaw. Hackshaw. We are uh, actually. I'll choose my co-host first. Bucket since '88, Peter. How's it going?
1: Doing well. Uh, it's my last show before uh, hopefully my next show will be uh, from a Mile High.
0: Nice. I was going to ask how how excited are you? Uh, do you have anything planned? Obviously, Nuggets games and or parades. We'll see knock on all the wood especially at this point but i mean any exciting plans for your uh trip to denver
1: i mean mostly it's it's centered around the nuggets you know definitely gonna see some friends but uh you know hoping to be downtown monday night uh watching the boys i don't know if i don't know what the exact date
0: is Casa bonita around the corner
1: oh yeah this is true Oh, my goodness.
0: Apparently, they're doing, like, some, like, soft opening things or, you know, a friends of the restaurant. And they're coming in.
1: I'll wait for their views before I go. Oh, I'm going no matter what. Like,
0: it's 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 a wrap. I'll, I'll let you guys know for sure. I'll I mean, I'm going. I'm going. Yeah, I'm going. <laughs> yeah, Alejandro, not you want to go? I'm not there for the um, food. I'm there for the experience. Yeah, I mean, both. You know, I, yeah, yeah, I'm going to, yeah. yeah I, um, I feel like they'll do a good job. That, that's that's my take um and, and that's alejandro you're hearing if you wanna find him online find him at 5280 nugget mine on twitter and my high nugget mine on youtube uh he's got a great like if you ever want a video that like You know, it's a dark time right now. We're tied in a series that it seems like everyone and their mother told us we were going to sweep or five, six games, something like that. You want a little nugget of joy in your life, uh, check out his YouTube videos. They're very, very uplifting, you know. Um, Alejandro, what's going on? How you been? I've been good, man. Just
2: uh, finished school about a month ago. It's like the weird transition period where it's like, oh, God, I have to get a job now. Uh, Congrats. (laughs) While we uh, figure all that out, we're kind of just enjoying this run and enjoying not being in Nuggets Purgatory like I've been my entire life.
0: Yeah, no, it's almost like a graduation for the Nuggets as well. In a way. I know, we
2: we both did it together.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that's cool. That's cool. Um, so I I kind of want to... We, we haven't chatted in a while. Um, take... A step back a little bit from the immediate moment of we're recording this after game two, right before game three. What were some of your expectations, um, maybe just going into the playoffs and how have they been met? Do you feel like by Denver, by Denver's competition, um, even in, in like in like prior series up to this point?
2: Yeah, I think coming into the playoffs, I was of the mentality of you have to make the finals. I just thought that this was finally like the full collection of talent that you needed, you were healthy, you were rested. Everything that we've complained about for the past two to three years about, oh, well, if only we had Jamal, if only we didn't have to like sprint into the playoffs, all of that, all those checks were checked off and I was excited. So it was like, you guys have to at least make the finals. So I think going into every series, I was fairly confident. I think the one that terrified me the most was the Lakers just because the trauma is deep. But it's it's been it's been enjoyable, I think. <laughs> I think I coming off game two, I think we're all like a little shook. But yeah. my confidence has not wavered. It's well, we'll you know, we'll obviously get into game two, but throughout this entire run, I've just it's just been a lot of joy. I think. So I started following this team more or less in, in 08. I'm am I'm I'm 26, so it's like I'm not I'm old, but I'm not that old, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, so our needs still work. Yeah, I get
2: it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I've gotten to see a lot of the really bad Nuggets teams, not the worst Nuggets teams, but I've gotten to see a lot of those really bad nugget teams. Uh, and I've always been of the mindset of Colorado's my home, so I'm gonna root for the Colorado teams. And Denver has just been so I feel like every sports team kind of matches the Denver energy of, you know, we're we're not respected, we're not cared about, we're the small market. You know, we heard a lot of it. And it was, it's nice to see the team that I've cared for my entire life finally achieve what i've been trying to tell people this version of the nuggets team could do now it's just about having the hardware to let me be an obnoxious fan for the next couple months
0: were you a uh like when you talk to other people were you a this is our year kind of a oh, fan oh i was an obnoxious were you like a will see
2: <laughs> no <laughs> okay I think I got better as the years went on. Uh, there was like some of those mm-hmm. Brian Shaw years where I was like, I, I really can't say this is our year, but this is our year, you know, like, and I think once Malone got here, it still was like, hey, maybe, and like the past couple of years, it's just been, we don't have Jamal, but this year I was very obnoxious with everyone where I was like, please watch these games if you can. And now slowly, but surely yeah. people are, people are catching up.
0: Yeah. I think there's a lot to appreciate about, about the nuggets, about like the personalities themselves. Um, and to your part, they to your point, they are, I feel like Denver itself is a very, you know, very low-key city um full of people that like enjoy life and things like that, but aren't just the most um not looking for like the most attention, not looking for like the most fame or anything, just kind of uh trying to enjoy life and, and do the best they can with things. And I think that embodies Denver really well. It just doesn't always lend itself to, like, the most marketability with someone who isn't familiar with with the area and with the people and with that culture. So I definitely feel you on that. Um, Okay. So in terms of those matchups, did you want the Lakers? Because, like, I I think I'm the kind of person who, like, I want – I'm going to unironically use this phrase. I want the hardest road, low-key, just because – for me i think the gratification when you really slay your demons in a way that they did against los angeles i think that is some of the most gratifying one of the most gratifying experiences in sports where you get that um you get to like be proud knowing that the team did its best not just in a way that only got like a, like a lucky path or whatever. It's that they really earned it, that they really took it. Being the best team was about being the best team for them. So, No, absolutely.
2: Um, I think one of the takes that I've been seeing on Twitter, which just baffles me, uh, is a lot of people are saying that this is going to be a very weak ring for the Nuggets. When I see that, I go, every before every series, everyone was like, Oh, how are they? How on earth are they possibly going to get through Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and Chris Paul? We got through them in six. Oh, they certainly can't beat LeBron James and Anthony Davis. We swept them. And people have the audacity to call it weak because they're like, oh, look at all those supporting cast around them. It's like that's never been a storyline coming into a matchup, but it's a storyline now that Denver handled them like they were nothing. So I think I am very much so. I was okay with getting either or because it just felt like we were we were getting like a run back where you avenged game 82 by beating the Wolves. You avenged the sweep by beating the Suns. And if you got the Warriors, you were going to avenge last year's loss. If you got the Lakers, the best way I explained it to everyone, I was like, these are our gatekeepers. Every time we've been so close to reaching that summit, they have shut the door on us and told us to go away. So I was like, if we got the Lakers and you beat them, then that's, the, that, that's your final boss. And we got through yeah. it, so... This is the end game now.
0: Peter, do you not to say that whether or not we feel like this if we if the Nuggets get this ring it's weak or not. Do you believe in the idea, just the concept in general of a weak ring? That some championships mean more than others.
1: I do, because I think that if you look at LeBron's career that win in Cleveland really changed his like a lot of people's view of him right I think a lot of people looked at him going to Miami as punking out and so him winning his first ring in Miami it was like a large monkey off of his back but a lot of people were still like well you'll never be Jordan and so when he won two he was better and then when he went back to Cleveland and won the third time you know for the smaller market hometown team That was really kind of what like got him really back in like a a lot of people's good graces again, I think. And, you know, the fact that he came back from three one to beat an all time good team, you know, that, that is a big time ring to me. Whereas I think there's other, there's been other rings in NBA history that are definitely still good. You know, it's not frowned upon, but they wouldn't stack up to that one. (coughs) Katie warriors. (coughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, or, or I mean, like even some of those like, you know, maybe this is my bias in being a Jordan fan, but like the post Jordan years, I felt like like the Spurs beating that Nets team in the finals. Like was the East any good that those years like I, I don't want to be disrespectful to Jason Kidd, but like if Jason Kidd's your best player, are you really like a contender?
0: Yeah, um, here's like my sense of it is that I do feel like not every championship is the same context is is real at the same time there's no such thing as a weak first ring you know right. if you're a team that that hasn't if you are the lakers and you the, and in 2035 they assemble another super team and win when i don't know 25 rings or whatever it is i don't think it means nearly as much as as this one would for denver and for these fans and for our community just because of for the same reason really is that that context is like, okay, um, maybe we can talk about that like later down the line with the nuggets is in terms of like, maybe they win not one, but more than one. I'm not going to go down the list, but, um, I will say there the only way, the only like alternative for me that would have made it a little bit sweeter, so far as if they had played the Warriors instead of the Wolves, just because I feel like in terms of who's really been a gatekeeper for Denver, um, as much as the Wolves were built to stop Denver. And, and I do feel like in hindsight, they are one of the teams that challenged Denver the most, especially Jokic specifically, you know, how deep is that longstanding standing is that hurt really in comparison to how dominant the Warriors have been the last decade and, and what, like um, a shift in maybe even eras, I think that might come with. So, but outside of that, I mean, I think the Lakers, the Suns were both like excellent, excellent benchmarks, I think for this team.
1: Yeah. And I think that, when you look at history, a lot of times it's like who did you beat on the front of your jersey is what people remember a lot more than like how good the actual team was, right? Because even though the Timberwolves had a disappointing year, Watson, that playoff series, I kind of felt like the Timberwolves have talent. They're just they're just not ready, right? They didn't have the chemistry because they made you know they made a pretty big midseason trade. They traded their starting point guard, uh D'Angelo Russell, and got back Mike Conley. So They were starting to gel, but it's kind of like a little too late. And then the Warriors, if we're being honest, were kind of trash all year. But like you said, had we beaten the Warriors, I do feel like that would be viewed at as like a much bigger accomplishment. The Wolves are just a a team with a pretty sad history and not a lot of clout, you know, as a word that we've liked to use in in the past in this podcast. So, you know, weak ring, I mean – I do think there's a little bit of truth to it, but you don't really care how you get the first one.
0: I would also, like, I I think this will be an interesting thing to think about and talk about going into the future because one of the reasons and maybe justifications in the favor of this, whoever wins the title, it being a quote-unquote weak ring, is that you don't have another team like a KD Warriors, like a Heatles. Uh, not to say that these, this Heat team isn't good, but when the Heat have LeBron and D-Wade and Chris Bosh or even like a dynastic Spurs sort of organization at the peak of their powers, I feel like because they're, that doesn't exist right now in the same way, I, I think people are like, oh, well, where's the like uh, – I think I'm going to make another – I think this might be two anime references in a row, but where's the Goku versus Frieza of this um, – We might have, like, five fans who get it, maybe. We'll see. Hey, don't worry. I'm one of them. (laughs) Cool, cool. I appreciate it. (laughs) But, um, you know, down the road, like, and Alejandro, I'm kind of curious what you think of this. With a lot of changes coming to the collective bargaining agreement in terms of how teams can build and how they're looking to kind of disincentivize some of the things that the Warriors were doing in terms of, like, spending money and what the Celtics were maybe – I don't feel like the Celtics actually did it that much, but that they were like on the precipice of doing it. And uh, the CBA really like cuts down on that kind of um, just excessive spending is what I would call it. Do you feel like Alejandro that 10 years from now, when we don't have nearly as many, if that's true, and maybe you don't think it will be or not, um, if we don't have as many super teams in the future, does this ring look a little more solid, like in hindsight?
2: Yeah, I think in hindsight you might look at it that way. I also think, maybe I'm being super hopeful here, but I do think that the CBA does hopefully push teams in a way to kind of build, and I'm going to toot the Nuggets horn here, build like the Nuggets have built, right? Organically. You you get your core pieces and you sign them and you pay them and you don't just go, ah, we'll draft a couple guys and then, you know a year or two when x player is on the you know market we'll just give them a whole bunch of cash cuz we have a whole bunch of scrubs on our team and can pay them all that cash uh, that's just me being hopeful right but i think if you do look back at this ring and you go well there wasn't like a lot of super teams and the nuggets kind of just ran through everyone that they faced in the west and this series might be their hardest series then i think you do look back and you go yeah this nuggets team this this nuggets team played a pretty competitive playoff series and they were just the better team all the way around. Obviously, when you sweep someone, gentlemen sweep someone and only lose two games because Devin Booker was a machine, And you might look back at it and just be like, no, those teams are just bad. But I don't know. I Maybe I'm just a homer, but I, I see this ring as, I say like we already have it. <laughs> but I see this, yeah. Ring, yeah. <laughs> I, see this I, I, I as kind a of possible feel... ring as a good one.
0: I think there's some uh, kinship between Nuggets and Heat fans in such a way that whoever wins the title, it's a win for the kind of thing you're talking about for a team that's maybe not so star-driven, not so – I mean, not to say that the Heat haven't spent money or that they haven't made a lot of moves in their their time, but they're not the same – you know, there are a lot of teams in the league that look a lot more like the Suns, look a lot more like the Lakers, that have one generational talent, two generational talents, and maybe a bunch of um, guys, a lot more top-heavy of a roster, and a lot more guys who maybe weren't drafted by that team. Or, um, you know, in Miami's case, not drafted at all. But yep. that's like a shot every time you hear there's undrafted players on the Heat. <laughs> facts whoever wins it's a win for like
1: building the right way is what i'd say ray can i give you a positive spin here yeah you know that if there's a lot of people in the media tooting the horn about oh it was a weak ring it was a down year you know michael malone would absolutely love that for training camp next year to be like people don't think you guys are that good you know, what he doesn't want is everybody coming out and saying, this is the start of a dynasty, you know. Yeah, because you don't want the Nuggets to relax. But at the same time, I think we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here. It's probably a of to, uh, the final are one to one.
0: For sure. Uh, and to your point, a lot of, you know, not even just media members, but like popular YouTubers that I follow and like people who I respect a lot are heavily favoring Denver to the point that I do think that can be can provide some like bad incentives from a psychological standpoint for a team so it's tough. Um so yeah, yeah, maybe we should <laughs> transition into. So game 1, um Alejandro, I'll start with you. What were some of your thoughts after that first game? I mean, it felt like they won it at least in my mind pretty handily. Um, that while Miami did sort of make runs here and there, that Denver was always able to hit that extra level of juice that they needed to, like, stretch that lead out again. How much did you take away from that game in terms of Denver's ability to really control the series? And I guess we would probably compare it to game two. When you compare it to game two, what do you feel like maybe if, if you're thinking about this, what else is Miami doing in your mind that is adjusting to those things?
2: Yeah, I think like most fans after game one, I felt pretty encouraged. I, the sentiment online, and I agree with it, is Denver didn't play that well. Yet it felt like they were controlling every aspect of the game. The rebound battles going your way. You're getting effectively just as good looks from three and you're actually not you know, you're you not converting on all of them but you're getting clean looks your defense looks good and more importantly you just look way bigger than they did it's one of those size does matter kind of things where it's just Aaron gordon got to bully everyone in the low post getting easy buckets so after game one i, I felt that if there wasn't a way for the heat to match the size or find a way to Counteract the size that it was going to be a pretty, pretty cut and dry series where you'd get you know a couple close scrappy games, but overall Denver would just be too good at x and their execution, just a little too big, just a little too powerful. And then you know you flash forward a couple out a couple days later, and I think the Heat did a really good job at finding. Ways to ensure that Jimmy Butler could be a disrupting force on Jamal Murray. That Aaron Gordon could somewhat be contained by Kevin Love. And more importantly, that you cut off a lot of those passing lanes for Nicole Jokic. I don't know if I'd necessarily call it making Jokic a scorer. But definitely making it so it was harder for him to get easy passes off. Staying home and really just trying not to die by the three. There was, as much as I can say there was a lot of negatives from denver's offensive side i think i'm more discouraged by the defense
0: but you're talking uh, about game two
2: game two yeah flash forward into game two I was pretty discouraged by the defense but even in game one i'd say there was some discouraging things in game one where there was a lot of wide open shots that the heat generated and thankfully they just missed all of them and game two was the inverse where they generated those same looks they just couldn't miss
0: yeah, I mean, to that point, I mean, Peter, what you see in terms of, you know, Miami has been able to generate a lot of wide open threes uh, across both games, really, and shot the ball really well. What do you feel like Miami is leaning into that's making them so successful?
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree with Alejandro that, you know, if I could pick one area where I'd want the Nuggets to get better, it would be defense more than offense, because, what the Heat are doing that's very interesting is this is something that's very common in the NCAA tournament. When you have a team that's know they are at a talent disadvantage, is they bleed the clock. They they want to lower the possessions in the game because when there's less possessions, it's more there's more chance for an upset. And so the Miami Heat are. You know, if they're getting a wide open shot early in the shot clock, okay, they might take it. But for the most part, they're, they're using the whole shot clock up because it does two things. One, it makes the Nuggets work on defense for 24 seconds. And two, when you lower the possessions of a game, it puts more pressure on you to be efficient. And it also puts more pressure on guys that are used to getting the ball a lot and scoring a lot, like Michael Porter, for example, if you're getting less shots, now you're going to feel less in rhythm. And so the Heat have done an outstanding job of taking the Nuggets out of their game because I think if these two teams were just to play like, you know, up and down, transition, fast basketball, the Nuggets would, would blow the Heat out of the gym, but the Heat are too smart for that. And so it's on the Nuggets to get more disciplined, um, really stay down on shooters, stay in your rotations, rebound the ball, don't turn it over. And I, I know that they can still get enough done offensively um, to pull this out because I do feel like even though Jokic didn't have a lot of assists, I didn't feel like the process was that bad. He was getting a lot of good shots, and he was mostly still finding guys. They just weren't really hitting. So I think that you know plenty of people in the Nuggets-verse have talked about this, how a lot of guys on the Nuggets, when they're not hitting shots – they kind of tend to, like, float mentally on defense, you know, Jamal and and Michael sometimes, and that's dangerous. So the Nuggets know what they have to do better. They just have to be locked in, and uh, hopefully that they can just remember to bring the defensive effort no matter what, whether they're hitting shots or not, and that will give themselves a better chance.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's big. And not just effort, I also feel like there were a lot of really silly – Kind of dumb fouls. In uh, this it game. Was not even kind of. Uh,
2: they were they were dumb fouls.
0: Yeah, a, a lot of open, otherwise concession baskets that Denver fouled that they didn't really need to, fouling shooters. Um, in addition to the blown assignments, I just feel like there were just a lot of bailout possessions. Uh, for that reason, I, even whether it was at the rim or even on the perimeter, I, I remember very clearly. For example, there was one play where. I think KCP makes a great rotation on uh, Bam bio ends up at the front of the rim. Jokic is like a little bit behind, but he's kind of around. And KCP jumps up very like purely vertical, would have been fine. Um, and Bam is going to make some kind of finesse move for a layup. And then right on the way down, KCP uh, swings his arms down and just kind of fouls him, like almost intentionally fouls him. You know, and, and stuff like that that I think was really a killer for because Bam also isn't, he's not a Rudy Gobert kind of guy that he is going to make his free throws. And as a whole, you know, Miami doesn't have any of those weaknesses. So that was, um, I think that that is something they could do a lot better. Do you feel like, um, Peter, do you feel like the – Denver does a lot of non-switching but like giving extra help. That was what I – at least me, what I was looking into saw a lot of, of just we're going to put two on ball, but we're actually just going to like rotate back. Um, a lot of guys two passes away kind of being um, two, three, four steps away in the paint, things like that. Do you feel like they could make any tactical tactical changes in that sense? You know, I feel like the way they were trying, I get what they were trying to do, I guess is what I'm saying. It just felt a little complicated. Um, and maybe they could just execute better. But for example, how do you feel like it would go if they like switched more in comparison?
1: Well, I actually do think that they made some, some puzzling decisions, even one pass away, right? Like going over to help, and then that guy just swings it and his guy shoots a three. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, the Heat, they don't really have a lot of guys that are like trying to kill you with, with dribble penetration. I mean, Jimmy is, is a good ball handler and he's quick, but he's more methodical, right? He's not really like a get it up top and blow by you. He's more going to like operate from the wing. And then he was doing that thing where he gets to the baseline and Gordon's like right on him. So he's not going to really be able to go up. But it, it was like the Nuggets realized too late that he wasn't even trying to score. He was literally just trying to confuse everybody and then he would keep finding somebody. So, you know, hopefully the Nuggets saw the tape on that and were like, look, Gordon is good enough to guard Jimmy and, and if he's going to score, that's okay. He's going to happen sometimes, but, you know, you just can't let him be super efficient about it. But we don't need to keep helping, um, you know, because he's got him. And I think, I think that's the thing that can be really hard, for, uh, basketball players with defense is like your brain kind of goes on autopilot sometimes, right? It's like, Oh, if the ball's here, you know, if it's penetrated all the way to the paint, now it's supposed to help now it's supposed to, you know, don't be glued to your man, but actually in some cases you do want to be glued to your man because you have to trust that your other guy is going to do his job to guard the ball. And that that guy's actually looking for the shooters. So Miami is just a team that you have to, Be disciplined. You have to pay attention. You can't fall asleep on anybody because these guys, Struess and uh, and Vincent and Robinson, have such quick triggers. You know they don't really need to dribble. They just need a tiny bit of space and they get their shot off. And before you know it, the Heat. I think what did what did they say? They scored like twenty eight points in the first eight minutes of the fourth quarter. You know that's just laziness.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I have like one more thing. But Alejandro, do you have anything that you would like to that you've been thinking about? Uh, otherwise, defensively, that Denver can do better going into game three.
2: I mean, going back to Peter's point, like there was a lot of possessions where KCP would like show help for like half a step, leaving like Gabe Vincent or like Strews just wide open. And they just swing it right back to him. And it's like, why are you helping here? Your, your man is right there. He can go up on him. KYP, right? Everyone talks about it all, all the time. Know your personnel. These are players that you have to stay glued to. Because like Peter said, they're they're just going to jack up a shot, and it it's got a good chance of going in. They are they are uh, lights out, knockout like knockdown shooters. So in that regard, you know that that is puzzling and upsetting. I also think that there's just some like instances where I love that Nicole is giving up all the space to Bam because if Bam's going to kill you with twos, have at it. But I feel like sometimes there there is a lack of kind of like you're saying a lack of switching from the Denver side where it's just. There's too much ease for the Miami Heat to, to either get the shot that they want or, like Peter said, to fool you into thinking someone's going in while they're actually looking for a wide-open shooter. So there's there's a lot of disciplined things for sure, and I hope that that's kind of what they've been working on these past couple of days.
0: Yeah, I hope so. I, I mean, one thing that I'm like specifically looking for is, is Jokic going to be in drop coverage as much? I don't know if that's something they want to switch up, and if so, are they still going to hedge as hard, especially like on off-ball screens, where it felt like sometimes they Jokic would be in drop, but they're bringing two to the ball anyway, and the guy and there's also like MPJ is is uh, like at the baseline for some reason in, in an extra layer of sort of like rim protection help. I feel like that was a lot it's a lot when you're facing a team that is primarily looking for it. Cause to your point, Peter, it wasn't just that Jimmy was looking to pass. I think a lot of Denver's other perimeter players are also like very much expecting that wide open shot and are looking very comfortable anticipating it and knowing when to go up with that. Um, Do you, uh, Peter, did you feel like, So Kevin Love in this game was a big shift, I think, for Miami in how they were approaching, like, guarding Aaron Gordon. What um, Do you feel like that's replicable for Miami in the long term? And is there anything you feel like Denver might do in response to that going into the next game?
1: Yeah, um, I'll hit on that in just a sec. But I just want to add one last point to – when Alejandro said, uh, know your personnel, one thing I would really like to see the Nuggets do is run the shooters off the line more. You know, I think it's okay to to close out a little harder. Like, as long as you're not jumping, I'm not saying for the fouls, I'm saying like, make these guys drive because the number that's really concerning is Miami had 35 three-point attempts. You got to get that number under 30. You know, uh, Duncan Robinson had one nice drive where he finished, kind of surprised me. Prove, make him do that again. You know, you guys have played basketball. I'd rather take a semi-contested three than have to finish in traffic. Finishing in traffic's hard. The only guy on the heat that honestly makes me, like, nervous when he's driving is Jimmy Butler. You know, Caleb Martin can finish, kind of. Everybody else, you're kind of like, I, make them hit some floaters. You know, and he, he, make them hit tough twos. And at least if you give up two points, it's not as big a deal because you're not going to go on as big of a run. But what you can not do is keep giving them these open threes. Um, uh, the Kevin love adjustment worked nicely. I think it was a little bit of an overreaction from everybody. I mean, the heat won the game and like, yeah, he made a big difference. He's a lot bigger than, uh, than Caleb Martin, but I don't think he was like this magic elixir either. I I think the heat, obviously as a team hit more threes, the nuggets played worse, you know, that's probably a smart thing for the heat to do is to start. Kevin Love again, just from a matchup standpoint. But it doesn't like give me much less confidence that the Nuggets can win the series going forward. It's more like if they didn't make that adjustment, I think this would have had a very good chance of being a sweep. I think Spo's hand was kind of forced, like, hey, this is pretty obvious. Like, as great as Caleb Martin was in the last series, this just might not be his series. Right. And that's how playoff series go sometimes, where it's like you can have a guy step up. And just because he was really good at this specific thing against this one team, the matchup may be completely different for him. So, you know, Kevin love, Kevin love didn't like the world on fire, but he just makes more sense against the nuggets because the nuggets aren't really like a, a break you down off the dribble, like spread you out team like that. They're much more methodical beat you up with size. And I kind of feel like Kevin love can hang a little better. So they probably could have done a better job of, of trying to make Kevin love work on defense so I'm definitely going to be looking for that next game to see like what kind of actions they're putting him in.
0: Yeah. the um, What I'm really looking at and thinking about is Aaron Gordon in the dunker spot. I kind of wish he would be either... I mean, I think MPJ at the four is an option. I think that's something Michael Blone could go to in terms of they're playing so much, especially in crunch time, like down the stretch. Miami plays a lot of zone um and i think that kind of sort of methodical work your way into the paint it was really challenging for denver and it was hard for them to shoot their way out of um if they could create a little bit more space either either with like another guy at the forward spot or even just taking aaron gordon out of the dunker spot and to the put him to the wing you know and and give mpj like the full corner uh and for them as a duo, I think it's also very important that they do a better job of working together off-ball and creating space for each other, like as screeners, as cutters, that sort of thing. Um, I think that's going to be really important in terms of, you know, we, we kind of talked about this uh, on Twitter Spaces the other day, but I feel like this was the game that is a lot more along the lines of like what my worst case scenario for Denver actually was is that they were able to put Jimmy Butler on Jamal, that they were able to, I know Jokic scored a lot, but they made getting Jokic the ball really difficult and were able to execute well enough to take Jamal out of the game in like a pick and roll context as well so that they're having as much of the game hinge on MPJ and KCP and Aaron Gordon as possible. So I think for them, like those three guys in particular, I think need to do a better job of, you know, just working more off the ball and just getting uh, open and expecting those open looks and knowing where to be. Um, because, you know, you know, at this point that, that the heat are going to come with some one, three, one, some two threes, some three twos, they're going to use all the tricks in the book. So you just need to know where to be.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I, that's one of my notes that I took down, too, because there just was very little motion in that fourth. I felt like a lot of that shot clock was, how are we going to get the ball to Nicola? Oh, God, we only have like 12 seconds left. And it, yeah, you just saw Michael Porter and Gordon, like saying, kind of either just standing around or not causing any sort of disruption for the Heat players to just be like, stay home. If Nicola scores on us, he scores on us. And it's, it's very hard for this Nuggets team to win when your key, you know, your bread and butter is struggling to get into their set because the Heat are just pressuring so high up. Well, I you know credit to them, but there's, there's got to be ways that Denver's offense can hum just a little better in crunch time.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a really key point is because I've heard so many people giving the Heat credit for this strategy and deservedly so, but I do think that the Nuggets have to be honest with themselves and look at the tape and say okay they were making Jokic beat us but we can't just stand around either you know the NBA has rules that greatly benefit the offense one being freedom of movement right you can't chuck the cutters going through the lanes the way it used to be in the old days you, you have to let guys run wherever they want so while spacing is important I think it's really dangerous when the rest of the Nuggets go oh i don't have it going let's just get it to Jokic and watch him go to work like that's exhausting and even though he's scoring you got to keep cutting to the rim you know behind him and and getting open and send screens and stuff just to make them think and make them work as well because you know i think the guys that probably do that the best on the team are bruce brown and uh kcp at times and uh even christian brown when he's in there um you know and then probably gordon and uh, let's be honest, Jamal and Mike don't really do it very well. Jamal usually because he has the ball and Mike is, is kind of like a <sighs> one trick pony is harsh, but I feel like he has his mind made up ahead of time. What he's going to do, he's going to like curl hard off a screen. And if he doesn't get it, he rarely goes back down again and rescreens or then has a different action. He just kind of stops. And so, you know, I don't know if he's just stopping because he wants to keep good spacing, but I just wish he would work a little harder to get open sometimes and then get his teammates open. So kind of late to change your habits now, but he's just got to remember, like have a short memory. You missed the last shot next play and just make good plays, winning basketball. Cause we've seen him do it. That's the thing that's been kind of frustrating for me is like how so many people have piled on to him. It's one bad game. Like, yeah, he played poorly. You know, I'm sure he would tell you he played poorly, but what have we seen from him all year? He bounces back. So it's time to just have confidence in him and hope that next game he can play better like he did in game one or against the Lakers. So I still have confidence that he can turn it around. Yeah. I mean, I got, I was going to say like, people forget in game one, he was a
2: defensive, like he was a defensive help. Oh, nice cat. Sorry. <laughs> that was, that caught me off guard. But uh no, Michael Porter was such a such a good asset on defense. Like his length showed, he got great blocks. It really sad because I kind of over overreacted to his block count, and may or may not have made a very uh, silly bet on Michael Porter getting a couple blocks last game. But mm. I also think on the Michael Porter end too. I understand you're having a rough night. I do not want to see that Michael Porter only took eight shots in the course of a game. I need. I would like to see that number at like fifteen there's a good chance that one or two more threes fall and that's the difference in the game. The difference in the game was three points.
0: Yeah. I I think in this era for Denver, it's really difficult to criticize their offense because they are so effective and they are so talented. And honestly, 95% of the season, they haven't needed that extra gear. That is all five guys being fully engaged offensively, both on and off the ball a lot like especially like integrating michael porter more into their turning their two-man game into a three-man game um they haven't really needed to do that so it's been hard to like lay that critique but i think this is actually one of those this is a moment where hey miami is executing on a level that that might be something that you just need to develop in this scenario and i think it's it's something they can do i'm certain of it they just need to just learn that lesson. Um and hopefully like the film to your to you guys' point I, I think makes that point to them. Um I also don't feel like MPJ, yes, like Mike had a didn't have the best game, but I don't feel like there's like six guys who I'm like, yeah, you got you didn't have the best game either. Like I don't think Jeff had the best game. Christian Brown also made some like dumb fouls. Um KCP we talked about it already. Made some bad plays. Uh, Bruce Brown got had like a really ugly turnover that I think was kind of pivotal in, in terms of swinging the momentum in Miami's favor. So I, I don't think he's alone in that. Um, if there's one thing I, I I do feel like I'm not loving, it's actually the screen setting itself from denver's uh non-jokic players you know i um it's both the it's not just jeff green it's not just aaron gordon either i think both uh, sometimes they struggle to um make solid contact without using their upper body in a way that honestly is illegal like a lot of legal screens do happen but you know, at a certain point, they are going to catch those. And also just on the side of the guys using the screens, how well are they being set up? Is there a level of patience that you can take to um, giving guys opportunity to like set that contact and make like solid contact on those screens and use them effectively? Like the... And all I have to say, like the least, the last thing I want is to watch them dump the ball in the Jokic in the post, and then just kind of jog away. <laughs> and yeah. it's four guys standing on the other yep. side of the no, court, yeah. all just like, <laughs> "Okay, you got this, yoke. And they're like, yes, like a he, big fella. They're so talented that that's been okay the entire season. But I think this is a case where y'all, everybody, really needs to like get involved on both ends, um, and that means being active off the ball as well.
1: Well, and and Ray, you know what's funny about what you just said of like dump the ball to Jokic and jog to the corner is I think even his teammates who have played with him for years forget that like just because Jokic has it going doesn't mean that he wants to take over, right? That's not – he's not a KD is hot, get him the ball type player. Like he can score, but he doesn't want to go to the rack five times in a row. He wants to go to the rack twice in a row – to open things up so that you cut and get a layup, you know, he'd still much rather pass it to a guy making a good play than to be like, really, you're just going to stand there again. All right. I guess I'll go shoot it. So, you know, as confident as I am in Jokic is a scorer and I want him to be aggressive. I do think that it, it is a fair trend to say when he has to shoot like over 25 times, that's not a good sign for the amount of effort that the rest of the Nuggets are giving. Mm -hmm. And
0: I think that even parlays to the defensive end, where Yoke doesn't really have a lot of options besides playing drop coverage, heavy drop coverage, the way they did um, the first two games so far, when Nikola has to score 40 points, 50 points a night, just for them to be in the game. So I I think it would help them on both ends, really, if they kind of even the load somewhat. Uh, I think for Jamal too, you know, he, he they worked him a lot um, on both ends where they made him work really hard to get to where he wanted to go and um, made it a point, I think, to challenge Jamal just at every uh, instance that they could offensively. So um, how are we feeling about game three? <laughs> Optimistic?
1: Feeling good? Go ahead, Peter. I see the gears turning. Well, you know I don't like to make predictions uh, superstitious It's okay. here. Y- you're playoffs. allowed. It's it's fine. But, um, I will say that, you know, you call me out if you think this is kind of a galaxy brain take, but this is where I'm going. If So we don't know the outcome of game, game three yet, but if we were to pretend that uh, it's two to one nuggets after three games, and you would ask me, what's the best way for the Nuggets to have gotten there? I would honestly say, like, the best path would be split in Denver, you know, hopefully win game one, and then you lose game two and you win game three in Miami because that way you show that you can win in their place and you um, you sort of break up momentum and, like, you reclaim home court. Whereas if, if you win the first two, Ray, stick with me here – if the Nuggets had won the first two and they played the second game sloppily as well, that would be even more like negative reinforcement to me of like, oh, we got this, you know, two more days off. Now we're going to Miami. Like we're still going to have home court. And then if the Miami were to win game three and you're up 2 one, you go, okay, they got one, no big deal. And then maybe you go into game four up 2 one still with like, I'm I'm not worried mindset. And all of a sudden before, you know, Miami's tied it up 2-2, going back to Denver, they got the momentum. This way, even if the Nuggets win game three, I know they're not going to relax in game four. And so I guess that's my positive spin of saying, like, while I don't believe in moral victories, I do think that the loss was like a healthy wake-up call. And I think that, you know, there's there's different types of losses in the playoffs, You know, there's the like, there's the loss, you know, in the middle or late in a series when one team just knows other teams better and they're like, crap, you know, we played well, we gave it our best and we just couldn't beat them. But this was not that kind of loss. This was in the loss where the Nuggets were mad. You know, they were mad that they lost to a team that they think they're better than. And, uh, you know, at the same time, even though the Heat were hitting a bunch of shots, I don't think the Nuggets are naive enough to look at the Heat and go, man, they just got lucky. Because... You know what team was probably saying that the Bucs in the first round and the fact that the Heat did it to the Bucs, they beat the Knicks and then they did it to the Celtics. This is a trend. So to me, it's actually okay, And it's good that the, the Nuggets are getting the heat in the finals, because like Mike Malone said before the start of the series, throw the eight seed stuff out of the window. You know, this team made the finals for a reason. They're really good. So the Nuggets understand that they're not getting lucky. Right. Like they, they beat two really good teams to get here and uh, they just have to be locked in. And I don't think they're going to, you know, throw their hands up and just be like, oh, no, you know, we can't do it just because they hit another crazy three. Like that's who the Heat are. They hit back breaking threes and you got to just play the next play. So I'm actually slightly encouraged because we haven't talked about the end of the game yet. The way that the Nuggets did push back in the fourth, it just kind of came up late. But, you know, this team still has fight and they know they can win. So I'm still pretty confident going to Miami that the Nuggets can get at least one. If not, why not try to get two? You got two in L.A.
0: I mean, yeah. Um, Alondra, how about you? I mean, especially with the context of how Denver closed out uh, the second game in mind, like how are you looking at game three and how optimistic you are?
2: I'd say I'm fairly optimistic. I think I'm more optimistic because like Peter said, we took two on the road in Los Angeles, a place where I was kind of fully prepared to maybe get one. You know, I think based on the issues that we've kind of talked about, that's all stuff that they can clean up. It's a lot of effort and it's a lot of just discipline. It's things that I hope the guys took to heart. One of those, you know, wow, we really messed up here, here and here, and we just got to play harder and play better. So you know, I'm encouraged. I'm excited to actually get over in Miami and see how things go. I, I think the guys can play better. There's there's a lot of good as my cat jumps on my desk.
1: <laughs> I, think
2: a, I think there's a lot of really good things that I saw in that game to make me feel that that was a pretty off night all the way around. There's there's no debating it. So so we'll see. I'm encouraged. Hey buddy, how's it going? i'm encouraged for sure and i just hope that we uh we can show we can show up in miami as the denver nuggets and not whoever we showed up as on uh what was it on sunday
0: it's hard to keep track of the days when they're so far apart i'm not gonna lie yeah but um yeah i i i do think denver bounces back here um to your point, they are being challenged in a way that I think they haven't been before, particularly with – it was the first time I feel like – I really felt like Denver's strongest punch had been disrupted in terms of how Miami executed that zone. So I think they're going to be really focused and energized. And um, we'll see – I mean, I think they every game they play, I think they're going to win. But – we'll see what happens. Um I do think okay. we might see some like more meaningful adjustments if they do lose game 3. Um like for example I might I hope they move Aaron Gordon just out of the dunker spot in game 3. But if they lose, I might say maybe you take Aaron Gordon off the floor sometimes if they go zone. Oh, um, like they did against the like
1: Lakers that. uh late when they took put Jeff Green in for Gordon.
0: Yeah, um, I didn't love the Jeff Green minutes. I'm not going to say that, like, he's had such a good playoff run in general that he hasn't really been a problem. So I'm not going to say you need to go right now. Also, it's tough to argue for, you know, I love – we talked about a little bit earlier. I love a good screen setter. You know who I think the best screen setter is on the Nuggets outside of Nikola Jokic, it's Vlatko. But are you going to play him right now in the finals at this moment? I – well, I wouldn't – would I mind? No. Do I think it's going to happen? No. Uh, I think it's, they're kind of set. So, yeah, uh, maybe even that, that they're going to Jeff Green on the perimeter just as a more reliable shooting option, maybe. Or It might even be a three-guard – I know we all pay the three-guard uh. basketball, but maybe especially considering that the Heat are very focused on – you know, off ball screens and just a lot of motion offensively. Three guards isn't necessarily the worst thing that you're not really worried about being overpowered. So it might be a scenario where we see something like that. But um I still panic level. Okay, let, let's say panic level. I meant like like a four, four out of ten. Like I'm like, oh, that wasn't good, but not nothing. You know, the car's not
1: crashing. I want to give you one more take about this series. So the Heat beat the Celtics in seven. They flew to Denver immediately Monday night. So they got there Tuesday morning. Game one was Thursday. Heat were maybe a little tired. Nuggets took game one. But by game two, Sunday, so the Heat had already been in town almost a week. By that time, they're pretty much acclimated to altitude, I think. And the Heat play more guys than the Nuggets do, right? They So Kevin Love didn't play in game one. They basically play nine guys. Nuggets play eight because Christian Brown played a bigger role. But my theory is I think the Nuggets, when you play less guys, your main guys have to carry more of a load, right? So because there's there's more minutes. And I think the Nuggets got a little tired in that fourth. I do think that played a factor in the Heat doing so well in the fourth. And I actually thought Malone made a mistake. I thought he should have not rested Jokic as long as he did. I, I thought he should have maybe left him out like one or two possessions into the fourth, you know, given that they the, get the timeout between quarters. And then you should have brought him back in quicker because we went, I I want to say it was 82, 75 going into the fourth or something like that. Like nuggets were up like two or three possessions and uh, the heat immediately erased, erased that, you know? And by that time, it was too late. I mean, I know that it was a back-and-forth game sort of for a while, but I just think that that was kind of a backbreaker. And I think, you know, he had two days off going into game two, and then they got two more days off. What are you saving him for? Like, if that was LeBron, I think he's absolutely playing the whole second half. And I know it's a lot to ask, but, like, this is the finals. There, There's nothing left. So I'm really interested to see how Malone approaches game three because. You need to win it, but if you don't, game four is – this is the series where there's only one game between games now. So do you play him heavy in game three? If you do, you got to win it because if you don't, then game four is an absolute must win. So I'm kind of interested to see like which game does Malone sort of put all those chips in because it's got to be at least one of them.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think from for Malone in particular, we, I think a lot of us have acknowledged that like, hey, we're not going to get the most in-game adjustments or what have you. But between these games is kind of we, when we expect like him to make his move and really have um, a plan in mind and implemented for the team and what how they're going to approach overcoming whatever the Heat have done. So um, Alejandro, do you have any like parting thoughts before we uh, close out?
2: Uh, I think if you're a Nuggets fan, you don't need to hit the panic button. It stinks that we lost at home, but I think it was bound to happen at some point, right? Like, uh, your Miracle dominant run, I guess Miracle run's not the right term, but your dominant run wasn't going to just be this, this easy, if that makes sense. It's the finals. It's never going to be easy. But I think there's yeah. a lot to be encouraged by if you're a Nuggets fan. This team is still... It's still the nuggets. They just have to make those adjustments. Like you said, Malone's never going to make them in game, but between days off, I have a lot of faith that they are looking at everything that they need to fix. They're going to come out with the right mindset, the right energy. And hopefully that translates to a game three win. And if you get that game three, be greedy and you better take game four.
0: Oh, that would be nice. Yeah, that would be very nice. So I guess that would give us maybe two games since, until we record next. So we will, shall definitely see. Um, yeah, I, I'm optimistic that they're going to make the adjustments and, and we'll have some good news to talk about. Um, we've got Dow lined up for next week. So we're excited for that. And uh, yeah, so to reiterate, you can find me online at Rayvon Hagshaw. You can find Peter at Bucketson's 88, Alejandro at 5280. Nugget mine and Mile high nugget mine on youtube uh definitely check out his videos his content it's really uh well produced well well made stuff so give him a shot and um we will see you next week this has been ray and i have a cold but hey that's fine we'll uh, see you next time <laughs> the flu podcast the flu podcast let's go